Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's holy word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect for it leads us to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus. He is the bread of life. Let us seek him together through God's word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. If you're a Christian, if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then God has adopted you into his family. This is a legal transaction that opens up to us a profound relationship with God, but God isn't satisfied to stop there, to make it just so legally. So God forms new life in us. He puts his own life in us, his own divine DNA in us, so that we are also vitally related to him. You are his legally, and he is yours vitally. Now cultivate that life. So when we speak of the Christian life, and when we speak of these metaphorical or allegorical terms of drinking from the well, we're really talking about satisfying ourselves with the vitality that Christ has opened up to us. The vitality that is Christ's own life pulsating in us. It's not simply resting in our legal status. This is something to rejoice about and be glad about, but it's also an invitation to delve into the fullness of that vital life. But just here, let me just say something. That even though it is vital, and even though God has given it to us and provided it for us, that all things vital must still be cultivated. All things vital must still be cultivated. So you have that family of musicians, and they have their children who are all great, have music in their genes, and yet as they grow up and they develop, they still have to be given an instrument. They still have to be given some instructions, and they still must practice, and they still must train themselves in these natural and innate abilities, and so it is in the Christian life. He lives in you. He places life in you as the vital new source of your being, but you must still discipline yourself. You must be at prayer. You must work with the instrument of his word in order to hone and train yourself to get the most out of this new living vitality all vital expressions of life must be cultivated. So let me give you three vital expressions of the life of Christ that you're to cultivate. One is, you now vitally are connected to Christ in your mind. You have an intellectual relationship with Christ that is vital, that is real. Philippians says it this way, let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ. Christ mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 16. Let me read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 16. Paul is writing to the believer, and he's establishing before them the propensities and properties intellectually of the believer. He says, For eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. 
These things we also speak, not in words of which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Here it is. But we have the mind of Christ. He's saying there's something about this Christian life, this life that's been given to you that transcends the world's capacity or ability to know it, but you know it. It's God's own mind, Christ's own mind, pressed and put into you by the Holy Spirit. John said it another way. John said in 1 John 2.20, you have an anointing. Verse 27 of 1 John chapter 2, he says, the anointing which you received abides in you. You don't need anyone to teach you. That same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. Just as you were taught that you will abide in Him. God gives us His Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit begins to open our minds up and instruct our mind. And This means that the Holy Spirit has brought to the believer and He has put within us the great teacher of men, Jesus Christ Himself. Ever thought, well, I'd like to live back when those disciples were walking alongside of him and listening to Jesus teach and hearing his instruction and getting all that they received? And don't you know, if you've received the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you have a better relationship than they. By the way, follow their lives for the four years he taught them and then come to the end of the four years. And did they get it? No. They didn't grasp it and they were with them for four years. Well, the Holy Spirit had to come to them and make those things known to them and remind them of the things He was teaching them because their brains just couldn't lock into it. And yet, you have, if you've given your life to Christ, intellectually, vitally, the mind of Christ. You have this teacher living inside of you, speaking to you and teaching you and instructing you. And He is forming within you in this way his preferences and informing you of his will and telling you the things that he approves of and the things that he disproves of and he's shaping in you his own judgments and he's fashioning you if you'll listen to him with his likes and his dislikes and his comprehensions so that you will love what he loves and you'll even learn to hate what he hates. It's a vital relationship of mind. But listen, you've got to cultivate that. You still have to cultivate that. You still have to be in His Word reading it. You still have to treasure His words to you in your heart. You still have to ask God by His Holy Spirit to illuminate it. You still can't trust in your own personal intuitions in these things. But, oh God, by Your Spirit, You who have come to me now, anoint my time before Your Word. You still must act on what He's revealing to you because it's only when you act upon it that He'll reveal to you the next thing. You still have to obey the things that he's showing in his word because it's only as you obey him that he takes you to the next step of information. It has to be cultivated. It has to be developed. It has to be meditated upon. Made dear. Oftentimes think of the influence of this in my own life. Who is it that was so dear to me and teaching was so dear to me that I began to inculcate it in my life? Well, it was my father. And so even to this day, I have a hard time talking with individuals especially when they start probing about what makes me tick. I have a hard time explaining myself to them without quoting my dad. His instruction, his ideas, 
his thoughts. That's inculcating, an example of inculcating truth in your life. And so you're to take what Christ would teach you and reveal to you and show you and you're to listen to him and you're to seek his mind. We should be people who have a bibline mind, a mind about the things of God. We should be, when pressed, not be, have out of our lives squeezed trivialities, but a thought process that shows that we've been trying to think the thoughts of God after him from his own word. What's the rubble that needs to be removed for this to happen? Well, let me suggest to you, and this is a really hard thing to do in an information age, but try to get rid of as much worthless data and information as possible. Right? Try to spend less and less time choking your mind up with all the latest stories on the news. I suggest you read the Drudge Report less and your Bibles more. Meditate on what you see in God's Word more and less about the latest distressing headline you read in the paper. Right? Don't be constantly running your mind over how to fix just the latest problem of the age or the latest problem in your life rest upon God's Word. Here's another one of vital relationship. It's the relationship that's emotional. My heart, my mind has also been wonderfully transformed. The Bible says when I come to the Lord Jesus Christ that in Romans 5, 5, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. All of a sudden, God works in us in a powerful way so that He fills us with an emotional response and a heart for Him that we've never had before. You take that young mother and you come to them while they're holding that little baby in their arms. You, you ask if you can hold it yourself. You hold the baby for a little while and hold them. And then you say to the mother, don't you just love her? Don't you just love him? And they'll say, they'll say oh, oh, yes, I love her. I love him. That's what happens when you come to the Lord Jesus Christ. All of a sudden, your heart and your being, this emotional part of you, is poured out before him at his feet, and you love him. I have told this illustration a number of times of my brother-in-law, who was a paramedic, and periodically he'd get people in the ambulance. Now, he was always careful when he asked the question. If they were on their deathbed, he wouldn't say this because he didn't want to frighten them, but if they were, you know, okay, and he's taking them on a trip from wherever they are to the hospital, he would ask them this question. Do you know the Lord Jesus, or do you know Jesus? That's not something you want to ask if somebody's right at the very edge. They or, or you know, but, you know, you're going to be okay. Everything's fine. We're going to be fine. Just want you to know that. But I just have a question: Do you know the Lord Jesus? If they said yes, his next question would be, "Don't you just love him?" And if they went, "Well, sure," you know, or well, "I guess so," or but if their answer was, "Oh yes, I love him." Well, then he would share a little mutual exchange of his love for the Lord Jesus, and he'd say, let's pray, and let's thank him that he's here with us. And if they said, well, you know, sure I love him, or, you know, I don't know, or whatever, then, then he would say, you know what, I just want you to know, I just want you to know right now, you're going to be all right, and I want you to know he loves you. And he's with us. Is it all right if I pray for you? And he'd pray for them. But the reaction of the person who has this vital relationship where Christ is living in him is that Christ by the Holy Spirit, lives out his own love life from them. They find themselves loving God and loving the Lord Jesus and loving the Holy Spirit and loving their word and loving those that, things that God loves. And it's an emotional thing in your life. Well, that's got to be cultivated too. 
You got to work on that. You can't presume upon it. A lovesick man will carry a photo of in his wallet of the one he loves. He'll put a scented letter in his sock drawer, right? He'll put around his life. He'll take the blanket that she made for him and put it at the foot of his bed. And what does he do? He'll get a picture and he carries it with him everywhere he goes. He is fostering his love for that person. You need to foster your love for the Lord Jesus. Well, how do you do that? The rubble you need to get rid of are the thoughts and memories and images that do not enforce your love for Christ. The bitterness, the self-pity, the resentment, the flashing betrayals of the world's lust that play out on your TV. These things need to be removed. You need to surround your life and your home with those things that foster your love for the Lord Jesus. That can be people in need that he loves. That can be the exercise of those things which are pure and good. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. What is it that Paul's getting after? He's getting after your love life. And he's saying, cultivate this vital relationship that Christ has shed abroad in your heart through the Holy Spirit. This has been the Bread of Life, ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, God bless you.